Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Well, welcome to our series on parenting now, and I'm going to, just at the beginning, I know when we talk about parenting that our diversity as a church kind of rises to the top. If you aren't aware, this, let, me, let me give you some examples. Uh, uh, we have, on a weekend, uh, this is being heard from people on the east side of Rapid City, the west side of Rapid City, being heard by the fellows at uh, the Rapid City Minimum Unit. It's being heard in Pennsylvania, from what I hear. Uh, not sure what's going on there. Hi, Pennsylvania. And, and even as far as Kuwait, uh, it's being heard all over different ears. Uh, another example of diversity. NFL's kicking off, right? And oh, you better believe that we don't all root for the same team. Some of you root for the wrong team. <laughs> and, and now I know some of you, okay, he's about to rant and rave about how his team just destroyed the New England Patriots and made them look like an elementary football team. And I am not going to, I am not going to, in fact, in fact, in fact, New England Patriot fans, I feel somewhat bad for you so much. So I'd like to give you some, some guidance. If you feel brokenhearted that your season is now ruined, it's <laughs> not at all what you had as expectations let me offer you some help. Go find community amongst cowboy fans. They know exactly, they know exactly what you're, I mean, it's, they see it every year. They have high expectations that, so just, yeah. Uh, oh, you got to know I enjoy that. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. So, and, and more close at home, just so you know, we are very diverse when it comes to parenting. I mean, um, the ears that are hearing this, some are being parented right now, and they're like, what in the world does this series have to do with me? Uh, some are done parenting, and you're like, see you, goodbye, I've got the t-shirt for that whole experience, and, and you're done, and you've moved on. Some of you, and this is, this is, this is serious, some of you want to be parents, and it's not playing out to the schedule that you wanted, and it's breaking your heart. I, I can tell you, I, I relate. Katie and I walked through that when a doctor said, nope, you can't have kids anymore. It's done. So I know that even having a conversation about parenting for some actually brings up tension, not related to just parenting, but the reality that you currently face. But that does not mean that we shouldn't talk about it. 
In fact, as a church, we believe strongly that the sermon time, the message time, be a kitchen table conversation. And what I mean by that is oftentimes as families, we have conversations at the kitchen table that don't directly relate to everyone at the table. However, everyone needs to hear the conversation for maybe something that applies at that moment or can get passed on. Here's what I know about parenting. And this, you need to listen. Here's what I know. Every single one of us should be influencing in a positive way the life of a child. Every one of us. If you believe that the world is not as it should be, we don't have to spend a lot of time there, but if you believe the world is not as it should be, and that maybe leadership in different moments and culture is not going in the direction that it should, then you should not just go on social media and complain about it. I'm telling you, the next generation can change everything. So you and I, no matter what season we're in, we need to lean into the parenting conversation. So if you're mature enough to have it, which I believe you are, let's talk about my first experience. Uh, here's how this went. Katie said, hey, we're going to be parents. She was expecting me to be like, hey, that's awesome. And I think I looked more like, what did you just say? And then it went from complete shock to fear. Because I'm thinking, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to do that. I've seen it on TV. I know that I personally was parented, but I wasn't quite sure how to do it. But then it evolved into uh, anger. And now, if you don't understand, let me explain. I went from afraid to fear to, to anger because I was upset because all of a sudden I felt like I had no clue how to parent, so someone should have taught me how to parent. And so the only conscious thing I had in my head to do was, oh, I'll call my parents and rant and rave about it. So I did. Called up my mom and dad, and I said, well, by the way, good news. Hey, we're going to be parents. Sweet. And, and then now, I was like, hey, someone should have taught me how to do this. Like, where are the books? What books do I read? In fact, my dad's a pastor, and, and I was a pastor and all that. And so I'm going, okay, uh, what is it the church talk about this? And, and my parents listened to me, like, you know, good parents. Let me kind of just explode on the phone. I think in their mind going, oh, you deserve what you're about to get, David, right? <laughs> And I began to rant, and, and, but they gave me some wisdom. One, one was, David, you're, you're more equipped to do this than you think you are. God's letting you have actually specific children to raise them because he feels like you can do this with him. But then they said, um, by the way, you also do need a plan. <laughs> and I hadn't thought of it. I find this interesting because I've talked to a lot of new parents. Most new parents, or before you become a parent, most people don't think about how they will parent until they're in the midst of it. In fact, if you want to know the harsh reality, usually they don't think about parenting until parenting's not working out. And they're like, I should think about something and do something differently. So here's what I've learned about parenting. It's obvious, but necessary. The best parents have a plan. If you're like, I want to be a good parent, I'm going to be a good parent. Do not just say, I'm going to be a good parent, my kids are going to have everything they ever want. Guess what? You already failed. The best parents have a plan. They actually intentionally think ahead and look at how am I going to raise this child? What am I going to say? What are the specifics? Now this plays out, in other, you expect this actually in other parts of life. Uh, if, if a teacher doesn't have a plan for the students, you'd get upset about it. You'd be like, quit just having recess all day long. Teach them something. If a coach showed up to a game with no plan, you'd be like, you're fired right? If your boss had no plan, well, maybe you're like, well, that is how it works. But it, 
bosses are supposed to have plans, right? And parents are. In fact, I, I like to study a bunch of stuff because I'm a nerd. And I don't know if you've ever heard of or remember those books, the books for dummies. I'm seriously not, it's not even a joke. It's like there's books for dummies. It's titled for dummies. And there's all different categories, uh, pastoring for dummies, all that kind of stuff. But there's a business, businesses, business for, for dummies. And in that book, it talks about a business that doesn't have a plan. I'll show you the ramifications. It says, according to this book, that, that there will be leadership indifference, as in who cares? Confusion among the employees. You're like, that's where I work. How'd they know? Yeah. Uh, complacency of stakeholders, sh- short-term thinking, lack of unity, and oh, the killer. Only do what's always been done. Many of us go to work and we do things. We have no idea why we do them. It's just what the person before us did. And most of us would agree, without a plan, a business blows up. I don't know a banker worth the money they'll lend who wouldn't require a business plan to loan any money. So as I read this, I thought, I think the same applies to parenting, just with a little bit of different wording, but pretty much the same. Parents without plan, indifference on both sides where we just think we're cohabitating in this household. Confusion in your child's life. Complacency. Short-term thinking, lack of unity, and deeply entrenched in opinion. In other words, you parent with, well, I told you so. I got to tell you, there's danger in that. I'm not saying you shouldn't say it, but you should have a reason, really, whether you're communicating or not. Here's, here's why I, I bring this up. It's from experience and conversations I've had. Unintentional parenting has consequences you will regret. And I will not divulge any names or conversations, but I've had enough to tell you that I've talked with many parents who have many regrets because they didn't value the zero to 18 year old season. And there was no plan. It was more of a, let's just make it through the day. Or can I just get them to sleep at night and then all of life will be good? A lot of times we have such short-term goals and a lack of intentionality that we aren't parenting. We're just babysitting. Now, we're going to talk about this in this series, and it applies to everyone. And in fact, we're doing bite-sized chunks. Here's what you need to know. There are seasons to parenting. There's actually a cheat sheet. Some are like, oh, what? You're done parenting. Like, this is not fair now. I wish this was available. But if you don't know this, by the way, I didn't come up with this. For those of you who are worried, you're like, you have not parented an 18-year-old yet. I know I have not. This is from the, uh, the specialists. This has actually been around for quite some time. It's all over. You can find it in books that there are seasons to parenting. In other words, you don't parent a one-year-old the way you do a 16-year-old. And I know that we, in theory, know that. We need to start applying it. So here's here's what the smart people say, and I agree with them. There's discipline years, one to five years old, where you're trying to teach self-awareness. You might change the word discipline. This is the no years, where every other word is no or stop it. That's this season. Some of you are like... I'm living there forever. Uh, In theory, 
this is, you're supposed to uh, go forward. And there's the training year, 6 to 11. And I think we're mature enough to know that these ages can flex a little bit. But uh, this is where you're teaching self-direction, where they can uh, get themselves, you know, ready for school on their own. They can, listen, listen, bring their homework home on their own and do it on their own. Some of you are like, no, mm -mm." Okay, so then you move on to the coaching years, 12 to 18. You're hoping to instill the wonderful value of self-control, that you don't always just do what you are in the mood to do. And then it moves on to friendship years, 18 plus, and you're hoping to continue to to invest in in your child, who's a grown adult now, and it selflessness. Now, here's the problem. As you have already probably come to the conclusion, we get these uh, out of order. I know many parents who should be training or coaching who are trying to be friends, right? I also know many parents who are trying to be a friend or trying to be a friend in a way that, that is actually leading their child down a road that their child won't even know how to parent. Now, I mean, sometimes we get them out of order and we put discipline and we're trying to discipline our 25-year-old and that doesn't work. But, but what I want you to see is there is an order. Now, some of you are already self, you're defeated. You're like, oh no, I didn't know this or I messed up or well, how do I recover? I'm gonna tell you that you can recover. But I'll give you the very open conversation. It's more difficult to recover. It's more difficult, and, but it can be done. But you need to have this for those of you who are early enough on, or if you don't have kids, you're like, please take these notes, put them away somewhere, and remember them. There are seasons to parenting. And the rest of the series, we're going to go through them one by one to where we all fully get it, and we kind of figure out, what do I do with my four-year-old? They just go around everywhere naked, like, and, and i got to figure out what to do about that. And your 16-year-old can't do that. You need to stop that right now. So we got to figure out how to do this and how to do this well, because here's what I believe. Here's what I truly believe is that we want to be the best parents that we possibly can. And if you feel like this conversation doesn't relate to you, I would tell you that these four seasons of parenting, develop anybody with them. If you're a boss, you're welcome. If, if you coach, hello. If you influence anyone, I think this plays a role. So this is for all of us but I do need to really talk to the parents. There is a Bible verse in the Bible that many of us were told, taught, and we learned incorrectly. We took it as a promise, and it was never intended to be a promise, or even worse yet, a guarantee. And before we move further, I, I gotta show it to you. Uh, Proverbs 22, 6, you think this is the plan. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it guaranteed 100%. Here's the problem. When they do leave it, then you think you're a failure. You begin to feel uh, uh, a sense of shame. And I would tell you, guard yourself. This is wisdom. We would all agree, wisdom. Of course you should direct a child onto a straight path, a right path, a good path, right? We know that, and we know that they are far more likely, and it's good wisdom that they'll return to that should they go off course a little bit. But this was never intended to be your measurement of whether or not you did good. This is wisdom. Wisdom from a guy named Solomon. 
Solomon is known as the wisest man to have ever lived because God asked him what did he want. He asked for wisdom, and God gave it to him. An incredibly wise king, and he wrote stuff, <laughs> wisdom, and it's in the book of Proverbs, and he had a plan. He was a parent. Uh, he had actually had uh, many wives, and that's all weird in a whole other sermon, but he had lots of kids, and, but he had a plan, and, and I want to share that with you because I think it's incredible for us. I'll show you how he opens this up in Proverbs. My child, listen to what I say. Sometimes we're like, well, what'd you say? What'd you, well, don't, don't forget the fact that he said something. Listen to what I say. In other words, I'm intentionally talking to you. So I've got something to say and something for you to learn. Catch just the fact that he thinks it's important to talk to his children with an agenda. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Solomon is giving his evidence, hey, I'm a parent, and I got a plan. Now watch what he began to teach. This is really good. Tune your ears to wisdom. Mm, that's good. And concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God for the Lord grants wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense. Ooh, sweet. Common sense. To the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. You see that Solomon teaches his kids something very specific. He's coaching this into them, training them. But I wonder if you've ever wondered why. Why would you give all of this attention and all of this time and all of this intentionality to training a kid? Because sometimes someone's like, well, I didn't have that and I figured it out. If that's how you're parenting, I'm going to ask you to stop parenting that way because it's actually very selfish. It's selfish to demand of other people that they overcome what you overcame. So do not just require your kids to overcome the bad that you overcame. You need to intentionally teach, coach, train. Here's why Solomon tells us. Then, it's talking about the kids, then you will understand what is right, just, and fair and you will find the right way to go. If you want to know why God is letting you influence the life of a child or a teenager, I think it's this. It's not to hover. It's not to hover. It's not to control. It's not to keep from all pain ever occurring to your child. It's not that they make a certain team. No. It's that they would know what's right and just, and fair, and they would find the right way to go. If you notice that Solomon is coaching in character, he's saying, you want to be a parent, and you want to have this intentionality part of parenting? Teach character. The problem is, in our current society, in our current time, we're not so focused on character. We're not overly focused on character. In fact, many people now parent going, here's how I'm going to parent. I'm going to let my kid do what I was never allowed to do. I'm going to give my kid what I never had. And here's what I have found entrenched in culture. We often get too concerned about our kids missing out. 
We're too concerned with it. In fact, we're so concerned with it that we think that giving our kids opportunities rather than character is the better choice. We gotta be careful. We think that by making sure that our kids were able to play what we couldn't play or own what we never got to own at that time, that, that this is good. I have, I have given my kids everything. Be careful. In fact, Solomon is coaching in the Bible us how to parent, how to parent, how to parent. And I was afraid that, okay, maybe this is not direct enough. Maybe we're not fully getting what Solomon's saying. Here's what I think Solomon is saying. Focus on the people your kids can be, not the places they'll go. Some of us are so concerned with which team are they going to make. Are they, did they make the majors? Guess what? If they made the majors, finally I've been a good parent. Or, or, or did they make this or that? Do they have that? Or are they wearing this? Do they have all the opportunities? And we're, we're so concerned with where they're going and, and what they get a chance to do that we miss them being, being who they're supposed to be, the character behind that. And I know, I know that I am maybe stepping on some toes. You're like, well, playing on the majors in baseball is good and being in bands good. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad at all. But if that's your agenda as a parent, if that's your marker as I've done good, be careful. The win for a parent is that your child is who they're supposed to be. That their character is wrapped around God, their creator. And we as parents have to adjust our focus. Because I don't know if you're anything at all like me, my focus is all over the place. I just recently was talking to the whole staff and just trying to have a serious conversation with them. And, and we're in the office, and out of the corner of my eye, across the street, some guy is walking in a dinosaur outfit. And I'm like, what in the world? And I just stop everything that I'm doing. It's an important moment. We're about to pray as a staff. And I'm like, dinosaur, there's a dinosaur. There's a dinosaur. Do I see the dinosaur? I mean, I don't know if you're, that's me all the time. Like, I think, I think all of us have problems with focus because there's so much grabbing for our attention. There's so much. There's so much so that if you're not careful, you'll focus on the wrong things. Better yet, you'll focus on good things and miss focusing on the best things. So what I want to show you is what I believe the Bible teaches are the three best things to focus on as a parent. Now let me, I know again that some of us have not landed in this season yet, but I think you will in a fascinating way find it something you can apply just to your life. Here's the first one. Focused time. If you want to be a good parent, you need to offer your children focused time. Now again, Solomon did this. Let me show you how Solomon teaches us. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. In other words, we have sat down and we had have face-to-face conversations. We have, we have, I've explained things to you. I've processed things with you. You catch that? Never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. We've had conversations. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Focus time. Now, I need to correct some things because some of us are like, oh, I got focus time. I go, I, I sit at the edge of the field and I watch every one of my kids' games. 
while I look at my phone. And many of us think that we're actually doing, offering our kids focus time when we're not. It's, oh, focus time is face-to-face conversations. Learning about them, learning what they're processing, having like actual legitimate conversations where you know the toughest things in their life. You know how their day at school truly went. You know how they're handling a, a breakup or a broken heart. You know their toughest subject. You know what peer pressure they're currently facing. It requires focused time. I I find this so difficult that I have to schedule it with my kids. I know that sounds like so dry and boring, but I'm going to tell you I I schedule it. I've been scheduled since they were young. And I know you might think, oh, I bet they're amazing. I mean, I think they're amazing. But they're not always amazing. Sometimes Katie be like, how was it? I was like, well, uh, uh, she threw up at dinner, and then we ran into the bathroom, and then we came home. That's, that's how it went. That was great. And it, sometimes it's a, it's a total of bombs. It's like it's not even worth it, right? But there's other moments where we have great conversations, and I learned things that if I had not asked, listen, if I had not asked, I would not have known. Some of us are just providing opportunities rather than providing conversations. Let me say it this way. I think this will help us. What we do with our kids is far more important than what we do for them. I'm not saying you shouldn't do things for them. Oh, please do things for them. But don't let that supersede with, with, with. So when you go fishing, you talk. And somebody's like, fish, we do not fish at all. It's kind of like the bad date. If you don't know this, guys, especially guys, it's a bad date if you're like, hey, you want to go to a movie where we're not going to talk and afterwards we're just going to go home? And, and that, No, you need conversations and you need to offer these to your kids. And it's going to require you to be with them. There's more. Let me show you. Focused prayer. You need to offer this to your children. Focused prayer. Now, some of you are like, I mean, are we talking like out loud? Because I know some of you are like, we do, we do, just like private, silent, away See, what I found is many adults are afraid to pray with other people because they themselves were never prayed with. Focused prayer. Your children need to learn how to have a conversation with God just like you would coach them on how to have a conversation during a job interview. Like, hey, say this, and don't tell them you play video games. Just, you coach them on conversations, don't you? Why not coach them on how to talk to God? Solomon did. Here's what Solomon says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, to do that, you have to have conversations. Do not depend on your own understanding. When you're confused and you're not sure what to do, you've got to talk to God. Seek His will in all you do. Conversations. And He will show you which path to take. You know what's been really freeing is, I, I, I read books, I really do, I promise. And, and one of my favorite authors, Mark Batterson, freed me up. You'll never be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. I mean, if you've ever battled with the need to be perfect, I mean, I've wrestled with this, where I've literally ended the day going, I think I'm going to get all my privileges revoked. I think I've lost all of my parenting awards, all the ribbons, trophies, they're gone. I'm done. Today, I hope no one remembers. And then you start this new day. And what I've learned is this. If you fail throughout the day where you maybe 
have an elevated volume conversation with your child and you realize that you shouldn't have had it in that way and you go to, what you can do is pray and pray with and pray for. Now to make sure that we're not like, well, uh, like what are these prayers? Like what do they, what do they require? What do they, what do they sound like? You don't have to write a, a poem that wins a Grammy. You don't have to have to have something super articulate. Let me just give you just basic basic wisdom. If if you're not, I don't know what to pray with them about. Things to thank God for. Where you say, you ask your child, hey, what's one thing? One thing. Just we're gonna start with one. What's one thing you want to thank God for? And they will likely be able to tell you. And then what's something tough, a tough thing in their life? What what's going on? And they're like, well, I didn't study at all for my test tomorrow. Uh, you're gonna have to pause the parenting moment then and and but they're going to more likely tell you about relationships and struggles and tensions and things they're not getting this is where you can help coach pray for strength for healing for wisdom not for straight a's and that they make the team and that they be, you know if this is getting into their world very simple and you, and you pray out loud with them and you get over your insecurity at first, it might feel weird and be really short. And some of us are concerned, well, how long do we pray? Like, like 30 minutes? Two hours? Um, I'd suggest not two hours. Oftentimes, our family prayers last about two to three minutes. Sometimes when they're going through stuff, they're longer. Don't worry about the time. Worry about what you're focusing on. And start teaching your kids to pray. Now let me show you the most important one. Focused awe. I would imagine you'd expect a pastor to talk about parenting in such a way that we focus on spending time together and we focus on praying together. But those are important, but not the most important. This is the most important. Focused awe. You need to coach into your child awe. Correct awe. Now, I know most of us don't regularly use the word awe. You didn't like, oh, I'm just in awe of today. No, let me show you what this actually means. Uh, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, and fear. Fear in the sense of an authoritative fear, like I, acknowledging that they have control and power. I think the biggest issue we have in society today is that we have awe in the wrong things. We got it. Many of us, many of us have awe in, in, in wealth, in, in grades. Many of us have awe in, in athleticism. M many of us have awe in, in our favorite celebrity or athlete, right? We have awe in a lot of things where we're like, whoa, I really admire that person, or that's really a big deal. And, and I, I gotta tell you, those are not bad things. Those are not bad things unless you have all in them. There is only one thing to have all in, God. And Solomon went there. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. This is what you coach your kids. <laughs> Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Okay, you have not raised a teenager yet. Listen, teenagers quickly get impressed with what they know. And if, if you're like, well, I'm going to yell at them about it or punish them. Now, can I just tell you, when you're impressed with your wisdom, you know what your problem is? You have an awe problem. 
Instead, fear the Lord. There's that word fear. Have awe in the Lord. Have awe in God. And turn away from evil. The way, how do you turn away from evil? How do you stop doing the things you shouldn't do? Awe in God. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he'll fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. He's actually talking about with your money, have all in God. My child, don't, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Awe. I think it's breaking apart in families because most parents, most parents have misguided awe. Where we know more about things in life that don't matter, and we fear and acknowledge and admire things that don't matter. When your child needs to have awe in God, let, let me tell you the benefit of this. All of God acknowledges the authority of God. Do you believe God is the authority on everything? If you don't, you won't teach it. If you do, you need to teach it. Now, I know this seems complicated. Like, how in the world do I sit in front of my child and say, so here's what you need. You need some awe. And I need you to go find that because I don't, Pastor mentioned it, but I don't know where you get it. I mean, is that the, that's the real conversation, right? You're like, how, okay, prayer can do that. Time, got it all. I thought an example would fit here on how I'm trying to train and coach my children. This is basic. Hayden and I were having dinner. That's one of the focus times. Like I told you, we schedule it. And so Hayden and I were together having some wings at our local restaurant and having a great time just talking about whatever. And you know how the, it works when you're at a restaurant. You get done. Uh, the waiter or waitress comes up and says, do you want dessert? And you're like, I wouldn't know where to put it, so no. And they're like, all right, here's the bill. I'll, I'll take this whenever you're ready. This was a different experience because the waitress came up and asked us if we wanted dessert. Like, no. So he's like, okay, well, just so you know, your meal's been paid for. Now, I'm a bit skeptical. So I'm like, all right, is this a game where we're going to go out and there's cops waiting already and this is going to be a whole Dine and Dash newspaper article, the pastor at Fountain's. So I was like, what? Like, and, and I was like, serious? She's like, yeah, it's paid for, but I can't tell you who. I was like, oh, okay. And so we did, you know, there's, it's a, kind of a bit of an awkward moment at first where you just kind of look at the waitress, tell her thank you, which you're like, this doesn't make any sense, but thank you for relaying that cool information. <laughs> and then she goes, and we just sit there. Here it is. Here's what you could do. I could look at my son and be like, we just, it's lucky. We got lucky. No. We did not get lucky. It's one of the lessons we teach our kids. There's no such thing as luck. So I looked at Hayden, I thought, this is a moment. So I look at Hayden, and I'm like, not trying to be weird or preachy. I said, Hayden, I, I just want you to know um, that was God. And just to be clear, it's like, no, the waitress is not God. <laughs> and, not, and I said, you, need, you know that everyone in this restaurant right now did not get everything paid for them. 
He's like, he got that. He's like, yeah, At most people have a bill that they're paying. And I said, I want you to know that that, what just happened was God. God, who he gave that person, whoever it was, money, and that person chose to use God's money to buy us a meal. And I said, I want you to know, no matter if you feel lucky right now or if it's a coincidence, whatever, none of that's true. It's God. Because the Bible's clear, everything good comes from God. I say, what just happened was what we call a blessing from God. Now, I'm like any other parent going, I have no idea if that's stuck at all. I mean, I say it, I'm like, <laughs> did you hear that? Like, what? like, you don't know if it resonated. You don't like, so you're sitting there going, all right, um, let's go. And, and you go. Until a few weeks later, when something really cool happened to our family, and my 14-year-old was the first to pipe up and say, that was God. And I was like, yes, that was not luck, that was not coincidence, that was God. <laughs> Trying to coach into my children an awe of God. Yeah, when the sun comes up and you see its beauty and you catch it, God's good. And I want to teach my children that no matter what's going on, God is good. And to admire him, to fear him, if they get all, I believe, they'll get almost everything else they need. So here's a commitment, if you're willing to make it. For the rest of this series, I mean, you might be like, how long, we, for the rest of this series, for the next five weeks, okay? Would you be willing to say this for yourself. Some of you are like, my kids are older. Okay, okay, that's fine. Or you're like, I don't have kids. You, you might be in middle school right now or you might be done parenting, right? You might be like, kids are not on my radar, won't ever be on my radar. But every one of us can take this. Parents, yeah, this will make you a better parent. You can't control how your kids will react, how they'll accept it. They may call you weird and over-spiritual and nutty and boring, and I would expect all that. But we all can commit to this, and I, I'm telling you, if we do, I think we make a difference. The difference we want to make, I will focus my time, prayer, and awe. Five weeks. Give me four more weeks with you. At least give me that. And I'll share with you what the Bible says, the greatest playbook ever. What it says about how to be the best parent you could ever dream to be, but it starts with, are you willing to focus? And I can't make that choice for you. But I can pray for you. So let's pray. God, we acknowledge that you have authority. You are in control. God, we acknowledge that there is nothing you are limited by. You have power, but you also have gentleness. Lord, I pray for everyone listening, uh, especially, especially the parents, those who might feel overwhelmed or even guilty in the midst of this conversation. Lord, I pray that you will remove all sense of shame. 
remove all sense of embarrassment, all, all sense of self-defeat. And God, would you instill in us a desire, a desire to focus on what you would focus on. Lord, I pray for our kids that you would give them soft hearts to receive the wisdom and guidance and sometimes even commands that we have to offer. Lord, I pray that you'll give us opportunities to speak truth. But Lord, I pray for everyone listening, whomever we get to influence. Remind us, prompt us, equip us to show people who you are. And we thank you for that privilege. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.